My amazing secretary, Ruth Anna, had been on my case for years to go visit the Ark Encounter uh, just south of Lexington, Kentucky. Now, to be quite honest, I really didn't want to go, but we kept driving by it for several years, and I could see it from a distance, and I finally thought to myself, well, we'll go ahead as a family, and we'll go to that, and we'll enjoy it, and I'll finally get Ruth Anna off of my back. And so we went ahead as a family and we visited the encounter and, uh, you know, we pulled up to the parking lot. And when we first got there, to be quite honest, I was not that impressed. They took us from the parking lot and then we, uh, you know, kind of got in the ticket corral. They put us on a bus and then eventually we started driving toward the ark. And again, as we're driving there, it didn't see all, seem all that impressive uh, to me. We finally got to the stop. We got off the bus. We started walking up to the ark, and I finally got underneath it. And when I looked up, I was only, there was only one word that could come to my mind, and the word was, wow. Like, wow. It, it was amazing. It was gigantic. It was remarkable. I just couldn't believe how large this ark was. I mean, it was to biblical proportion, and it was just outstanding. And we stayed the entire day. We did everything we could. We kind of, you know, like shut it down. And at the end of the day, as we're walking away, and I look at it from a distance, there was just one word that came to mind. The word that we're looking at today, and the word was, wow. Now, the truth is, is that all of our lives have wow moments. The universe, if you think about it, is just one big wow. For example, when it comes to the Big Bang Theory, the concept is that everything we know was contained in something called the singularity. It was smaller than a pinpoint. And then something happened. And within the first second of the Big Bang that singularity exploded and it exploded into more than a hundred million miles. And the world was like, wow. And we know that if there was a big bang, then there had to be a big banger. Another moment in history came with the Wright brothers. Before the Wright brothers, man had never flown before. But in this time, they actually flew. And everyone was like, wow, in human history, now they can fly. Uh, several years later, a guy by the name of Neil Armstrong walked on the moon for the very first time. And everyone was like, wow, a man on the moon. And just a few years ago, the Chicago Cubs won the World Series, and that proved that there was a God. I mean, everyone was like, wow, I can't believe that they actually won. But it's not just the universe, folks, where there are wow moments, but your life is filled with wow moments also. Uh, your birth, a mystery, Wow. 
The very first time you got your driver's license and you got to drive a car, you were like, wow. Six months after I got my driver's license, I wrecked the car. And my dad was like, wow, I'm going to strangle you. Uh, I proposed to my wife and uh, she actually said yes. And I was like, wow. And my parents were like, wow, we're finally going to get rid of him. And then I invited, you know, her on a honeymoon. And after we were married, I took her to Indianapolis. And she was like, wow, Indianapolis? Seriously? And then I kind of surprised her and we went to Jamaica. And then when we got to Sandals Resort, she was like, wow. My two girls, when they were born, both. Wow moments. Uh, The fact that I didn't pass out during the birth, you know, like that was a wow. And folks, every single life, your life, has wow moments. The universe is built as one big wow. Birth and death are wow. And today what I want to talk to you about is what I think is the biggest wow the world has ever known. And it kind of leads to our kind of big idea this morning, and it's this. The power of the resurrection is the biggest wow in the history of the world. The power of the resurrection is the biggest wow in the history of the world. Now, as we look at the power of the resurrection today, what I want to look at are three kind of truths to help you understand the resurrection more. First of all, I want you to know this. The resurrection really happened. It really happened. This is important because in our day, we live in such a pluralistic society in which everything's just kind of all put together. All religion is just one. And so many times you'll hear people say something like this. Well, you know, Jesus probably existed. And he was a good man, he was a good teacher, he was inspirational, but at the end of the day, folks, he was just a man. Folks, when people were with Jesus and he died, it was a dark moment for them. They struggled to let him go. And when he died on the cross, they thought that their dream had died too. And yet there was a piece of them that were like, it feels like I can still kind of feel his presence around me. That I can actually kind of hear his spirit lingering around me. You see, to the people that were close to him, the resurrection was not symbolic. Now, for many people in our world today, it's symbolic. Many people will even say, well, you know, the resurrection was simply a myth. It was, you know, just a a symbol. It was a fable, but it wasn't true. Now, for the rest of our time, what I want to do is explain to you that for the New Testament writers, the ones that wrote the stories of Jesus, to them, it was not symbolic. It was not a myth. But for them, it was the truth. They presented it as something that really happened 
And that is something that you need in a crisis. What you need in a crisis, what you need in a pandemic, is to be able to realize there is a wow moment that is greater than myself and will take me even beyond this world. Now, in the ancient world, the difference between true history and a myth were eyewitnesses. If you had eyewitnesses there, that counted for a lot. Writing down serious history depended on actually talking to eyewitnesses. Were you in the war? Were you at the event? Were you a part of whatever it was that took place? So history is built on eyewitness testimony by ancient historians who took very seriously the craft of writing it correctly. And this is exactly what we find in the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the good news of Jesus Christ himself. And one of those writers, a guy by the name of Luke, who was a physician, he was very detail-oriented, and he wanted to make sure that it was exactly the truth of what happened. And notice how seriously he writes as he puts this together at the beginning of his gospel account. Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who, who from the first were, and what's the next word? They were, what was it? Eyewitnesses. All of you in Parker City, what were they? Eyewitnesses. In Jay County, what were they? Yeah, eyewitnesses and servants of the word. With this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I too decided to write up an orderly account for you so that you may know the certainty of the things that you have been taught. Folks, everything you think about, regardless of whether you think that Jesus was the Son of God or not, whatever you think about the writings of Jesus, they were never intended to be a symbolic story. Ancient histories that were meant to be taken seriously, eyewitnesses always played a part. And eyewitnesses are all over the story of Jesus. It's kind of like today, if you want something to be serious, you put a footnote to it, right? Remember high school English? Your English teacher would always be like, hey, make sure you have some footnotes. We want to know that this stuff is true. And you'll find that all the time, uh, even today, when it comes to textbooks or, you know, maybe an academic writing. There are always those footnotes at the bottom. Now, in a symbolic or a kind of mythical story, folks, there are no footnotes. For example, Dr. Seuss, no footnotes. The very hungry caterpillar, No footnotes. Or my favorite, duck at the door. Uh, No footnotes, no eyewitnesses, folks. Uh, They're just symbolic. It's, It's a myth, but there's no eyewitness to those stories. Here's just one example, though, that we find in the Gospels to see a footnote. Because in the Gospels, folks, eyewitnesses were important. They were central. And here's the example that we find in the Gospel of Mark. This is what Mark writes. A certain man named Simon from Cyrene, the father of Alexander and Rufus, was passing by. And they forced him to carry the cross. 
Now here, what Mark wants you to know that, hey, this Simon is a common name. In the ancient uh, Middle East, Simon was a name that everyone had. But he said, it's not just any Simon, but it's Simon from Cyrene, which is in North Africa. And this particular Simon, to make it even more clear, he notes that his father, he was the father to Alexander and Rufus. Now, why in the world would Mark go to all of that detail to say that he was the father of Alexander and Rufus when they weren't that important of people? Well, it's because Alexander and Rufus were a part of the Christian community. They were still alive when Mark wrote this. You see, Mark is the first of the four Gospels that were written. They think, for the most part, it was written around 60 A.D. And interestingly enough, none of the other Gospel accounts puts Alexander or Rufus there. Only the first one in Mark. And so here, what Mark is saying is if you want to know this is true or not, go to the eyewitnesses. Here's two guys, Alexander, Rufus. They will let you know that this happened. This resurrection is a true thing. It really did happen. You can ask them. And this is why this is so important and it matters. Now, in each of the gospel accounts, what we find is that is the women are the first ones to the tomb. Now, for many of you, you might be like, hey, you know what? It's no big deal. I mean, so what? It was the women that were the first ones there. But in the ancient world, uh, to really think about the women being the first ones there, that would have been a shocking idea because women were kind of considered second class citizens. You see, women were not even allowed to kind of give a legal testimony in a law court. And so, in many ways, to have women as the first eyewitnesses would have been a wow kind of perspective. You see, in the ancient world, in ancient Israel, in ancient Rome, women generally were not allowed to serve as an eyewitness in court. They could not legally give a testimony in the court. Only men could. And yet, just think of the power at work here in this little passage in Luke when he writes about the resurrection, and this is what he says. It was Mary Magdalene. Check out these names. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the others with them who told this, the resurrection, to the apostles. But they, the men, the apostles, did not believe the women because their words seemed to the men like nonsense. Can you believe that there was a time when men were slow to take women seriously? I I mean, that still happens today. Well, the women come and they're like, Jesus Christ is risen. And the men are like, you're nuts. You crazy girl. You crazy. I mean, have you been drinking something, women? And it wasn't until the men actually went to the tomb themselves and saw that it was empty and had an encounter with the risen Jesus that they actually learned to take them seriously. Now, here's the point. 
if the stories of the resurrection were just made up, if they were just written as a myth and they were to, you know, kind of influence gullible people, if you were writing at that time, you would not put women at the scene at the very first time because no one would have believed it. No one would have understood that. People would never have kind of made up women at the resurrection first. And yet, in every single gospel account, it is the women who are listed that way. I mean, whatever you think about, you know, these accounts, they are presenting the resurrection, folks, as something that really happened. Now, you might be asking the question, well, why? Why? And this kind of leads us to our second truth, and it's this. The resurrection changed everything. The resurrection changed everything. Not only did they believe that it really happened, but it changed everything. I mean, whether you believe Jesus is the Son of God or not, it really doesn't matter because all parts of history, every time you think of history, it is divided between B.C. and A.D. Every date in human history is surrounded around the life, the death, and the resurrection of this one and only man. Every time that you look at your phone and you put a date in there, every time that you sign up for something with a date, it all goes back to this one man. Now, we all have kind of wow moments in our life. Every single one of us have a, a wow moment kind of, you know, here or there. We, we, we all have them. For some of you, you might think, well, I'm not so sure, but we all do, regardless of who it is. The, the issue is, is that many times your wow moment doesn't change history. For example, the very first time that I went to the Grand Canyon, I looked at it and it was wow, but it didn't change anything. Uh, the first time that uh, I ever was able and the only time to go to the pyramids in Egypt, it was like a wow moment, but it didn't change anything. The very first time that I got a paycheck, it was like a wow moment. And then I saw how much the IRS took out of my check and I was like, wow, wow. In 1918, the Spanish flu hit the world. And it was the deadliest pandemic ever in the history of the world. It was a wow moment. And now in 2020, we are in the midst of COVID-19. And people are dying and people are sick and it is a wow moment. But this is what I know about wow moments in history is that sometimes they come and go. I was talking to a friend of mine this week, and he was saying, remember when 9-11 happened, and everyone was like, wow. And now, folks, if you talk to kids who are first coming to school, they know nothing about that, because this is the truth. Wow moments come and go, and the world keeps on going forward, and you have problems that keep coming up, and life and death, they keep right on going on. But once upon a time, there was a man named Jesus, and when he came into the world, he taught like no one else had ever taught before. He taught that God is real, and God is love, and even if you think of the most loving mother or the most loving father, 
It does not come close to the love of God. Uh, Jesus said, not even a sparrow falls that the Father does not care for it because God loves everything. He cares for everyone. And when Jesus was on earth, it was an amazing movement. But then he died. And the movement died with him. I mean, on Good Friday, Jesus dies. On Saturday, the movement was over. But then on Sunday, it came back miraculously again. Folks, Christianity is one of the most unique faiths. It's the only faith that did not have kind of a gradual progression. It simply was one day he was dead and gone, and the next day it began and all of the world changed forever. One day it did not exist, and the next day it did exist, and people were ready to die for it. In fact, historically, many people have given their lives for this one and only faith of Christianity. I mean, Jesus is so matter-of-fact, though, when it comes to the resurrection. It's what gave birth to the church, and yet he is so matter-of-fact. We see this in one of the gospel accounts in which it reads this. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid, yet filled with joy. They're like, wow, he's risen. And they run to tell the disciples. Suddenly, Jesus met them and he says this, greetings. (laughs) I think like the most understatement of the world. Jesus is just so matter of fact. He's like, greetings. In other words, he's like, guys, you you didn't think I was actually going to come through and this was going to happen? I mean, what did you expect? I told you I was coming back and here I am. And they came to him, clasped his feet, and then notice this next phrase. And they what? They worshipped him. They worshipped him. Yesterday, on Saturday, before that very first Easter Sunday, he was a convicted, crucified criminal. He was a lost Messiah. He was a dead Messiah. And then one day later, on Sunday, he became the Lord of the universe. And he gave his teachings, and he gave his life, and he he told them that you should love, you should give grace, you should put other people above yourself. You should not look at another person and judge the speck in their own eye unless you get the log out of your own. And he taught in a way, and he gave a message that no one had ever seen before. And when he died on the cross, you would have thought that would have been, you know, the symbol of Doom and gloom, never bring it up again. And yet the truth is, if you think about it today, the cross is the most recognizable symbol in the history of the world. It's the most recognizable symbol in our culture today. Folks, in the midst of a crisis, you don't have to live in fear anymore. You don't have to live in depression anymore. You don't have to live in defeat anymore. Because the resurrection, it changed everything. Jesus Christ is like none other. He changed everything and the resurrection is 
real. And the power of the resurrection, check this out, folks. The power of the resurrection can actually work in your life. And it leads me to our third and final point, and it's this. The resurrection is deeply personal. The resurrection is deeply personal. Folks, whatever it is that's going on in your life, we all face the wonder of being born, and then we also face the wonder, what is death going to be like? What will it look like at the end of my life? With this crisis, with this pandemic, it's caused all of us to kind of think about how precious life is, how immortal we are not, that we are mortal beings, that everyone will die at one point. You know, the biblical writers talked about this a lot, and the writer of Hebrews says it so well, in chapter 9, and he says this, Just as people are destined to die once, and after that to face judgment, so Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many. And he will appear to bring salvation. That word salvation means wholeness, completeness, restoration, deliverance, forgiveness, healing. And in those who are waiting for him. Let me ask you this morning, who are you waiting for? Who are you waiting for? Who are you preparing your one and only life for? You know, here's the truth about you and about me. Our biggest wow moment in life has not happened. Uh, Nothing in your life here on earth will be a gigantic wow moment. The biggest wow moment that will take place in your life is the moment right after you die. That'll be your biggest wow moment. Because in that moment, something amazing will happen. You will either kind of see God or you will live an, an existence Without God. In that moment, after you breathe your last breath, you will either see God or you will live in existence without Him. There's an old, old story about a little kid that comes to his mom one day and uh, he tells his mom, He says, Mom, is it true that from dust we were made and dust we will return? And the mom's like, Well, well yeah, it is, but why are you asking? And he said, well, I looked underneath my bed and somebody is either coming or going. (laughs) Someone's either coming or going. That's the truth, folks. Every single day, somebody is either coming or going. And this moment will come into your life and it will come into my life as well, in which one day it will be over. But like I said earlier, something amazing then will happen. You will either See God, or you will be divided from God. You'll either see God, or you will live an existence without Him. A couple of weeks ago, uh, I had the funeral of a guy in our church by the name of Gene. Gene was a great guy, uh, came from the very early days when the church started. He died when he was 85 years old of cancer. And three days before uh, 
he died, he told his family, he said, I'm not going to be here any longer, but I'll see you in heaven. And then he became unconscious. And during that time when he couldn't communicate, his family opened up the Bible and they read the stories of what heaven on the other side of earth, what heaven would look like and what it would kind of be like. And in Revelation 21, it says this, look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. Folks, can you imagine that moment? That moment that you will see God or that moment that you will spend eternity without God. Either way, folks, I guarantee you when that moment comes to your life, it will be wow. Now, let me say this. God doesn't want anyone to face eternity alone. He doesn't want anyone to experience eternity without him. He says, I will give you my grace, my love. I'll give you my one and only son, which he did as a free gift. And all you have to do is to return to him. No matter how much you flubbed up or messed up or screwed up in this thing called life. He says, I accept you as is. And I want you to obey me and follow my teachings and Live a life where I am Lord of your life. And I'll be a part of your life every single moment. In fact, God says this, even when you die, you'll never be alone. I'll be with you always if you choose me. And then I will stay with you throughout eternity. And in that moment, that moment in which you die, Not only will you be celebrating the resurrection of Jesus, but you'll actually, if you choose him as Lord of your life, that you'll be celebrating kind of a resurrection moment of your life. You'll be resurrected because he promised that to us. And in one word, I'm telling you, that moment will be wow. So as we kind of wrap up this series... I simply want to ask you, are you ready for your wow moment? Are you, in the room that you're sitting in, are you ready for your wow moment? The moment that regardless of any fear that you are experiencing, no matter how scared you are of this crisis, this pandemic, things opening up again, not sure what's going to happen. Do you want the assurance that no matter what happens in this world, you will be resurrected just as Christ was? And he promises us that. Jesus said these words, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone, anyone, no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, anyone who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. And so this is my question 
for you this morning. Do you believe this? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for sending your one and only Son, not only to be born and to live and to teach, and not only to give his one and only life, but also to be resurrected in you. In the midst of this pandemic that we're facing, God, in the midst of this crisis, many of us right now, we're thinking about life and death and we're worried and we're concerned and we're watching. And and some people are wondering, you know, could it be me? And they're fearful and they're overwhelmed. And God, they need your presence. They need your power right now in the room that they're in. Would you give them a wow moment right now? Would you meet them in the room that they're in and let them know that whatever their greatest worry, their greatest fear, that you are with them and for them. Come to them right now. Let them know that you will never leave them. Jesus, thank you for the power of your resurrection and for the hope of an eternity with you. Now, for some of you right now, today's your day. You've gone through the whole series. You've been watching. You've uh, been sharing this with somebody. And, and now you're like, no, no, no. I've never had a wow moment before. And today's your day. Today is your day to say, Jesus, I need you in my life. I, I need the power of your resurrection. I want to give my life to you. I'm surrendering to you today. You're ready to say, I need you, Jesus. I need your power. I need you in my life. And if that's you today, I simply want to invite you to pray a prayer after me. But you're not praying alone. And as you pray in that room, as you do so Pray together. And for some of you, it may be the very first time that you give a wow moment as you say this prayer. Simply repeat after me. Heavenly Father, I give my life completely to you. Jesus, save me from my sins. Make me brand new. I need the resurrection power that comes from you. Fill me with your Holy Spirit so I could know you, serve you, and follow you for the rest of my life. My life is not my own. Today, I give it to you. Thank you for new life. Now you have mine. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hey, if you said that prayer for the very first time, Uh, Right now, I just want you to tap on that raised hand that's on the screen. You can do that, or if you want, you can go to thejar.org slash accept, and you can make that commitment as well. We are so excited for you. All of heaven is celebrating with you today. If you would like prayer for anything, please let us know. Any of our hosts would love to pray with you and for you. Hey, if you haven't volunteered yet, Go ahead and volunteer. Text to that number, volunteer. We'd love to be able to get you plugged in. And always know this, that you are loved by God. And you are loved by the JAR community. And we will continue to be praying for you. Have a great week, and we'll see you next Sunday, everybody.